Welcome to the Working Mama podcast, a show that provides real-world tips, tricks, and advice to all working mamas on how they can have a career, family, and hopefully one day break the glass ceiling. My name is Karina O'Brien, a fellow working parent trying to manage the juggle. Each week, we'll be looking at all things related to working parents with special guests and solo episodes to help you navigate the world of having children and a career. Welcome, mamas. Welcome to another episode of the Working Mum Podcast. Today, I have with me Bessie Tasheva. Bessie's the founder of Bessie.com Culture and DNI Consultancy. Within 12 months of launching her company, she started working with EY, Zealando, SoundCloud, Progress Software, Looker, which has been acquired since by Google, Mozilla, Content Helpful, Heineken, and so much more. I actually came across Bessie because of her authoring of the Diversity in Workplace report. Uh, I came across the 2020 edition, but I know that the 2019 also was well edited. So welcome, Bessie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Karina. It's a pleasure to be here. And also, you're our very first international guest on the Working Mom podcast. Do you want to tell everyone where you're from? Oh, that's awesome. So originally, I'm from Bulgaria, and currently, I live in Dublin, Ireland. Bessie, do you want to tell us a little bit about your career pathway to where you are now? Sure, yeah. I started in advertising just after graduation in 2009 and quickly after I was really fascinated by everything happening (laughs) online. Advertising wasn't that tech at the time. So I joined a tech company and that was maybe about almost 10 years ago and once I was in tech, I was doing marketing, I was doing events, community building, lots of pieces. Later on, I joined an accelerator. Then I moved to Ireland. I was in digital health. And um, after that, I moved to talent tech. And I think once I was in talent tech, it's like I really enjoy being close to people. Not that I was avoiding people <laughs> before that, just uh, having more of a, like a much more direct impact on people's lives. I really enjoy that. And I started doing a little bit of career coaching, but I was really getting frustrated with career coaching because you only help one person at a time and once in their life. So, you know, they would probably find themselves in a similar situation a couple of years later. And I was thinking, okay, how, like I wanted to start my own business at that point. I I had already been a chief strategy officer, CMO in different companies. And I was like, okay, what should, my company be about and all of this kind of came together and I was thinking I want to have uh, a bigger impact and I thought working with companies um, would work well I can help them with their culture start working on diversity and inclusion with them and that's what I've been doing for about 18 months now Um, and you know there was also um, it's like (laughs) compulsive desire to change things and I think after about a decade in tech you you also see a lot of the limitations a lot of um, situations that are not very inclusive um, being a gay person being a non-binary person um, being in an interracial relationship like there were different things that I was like "Mm, you know you know that wasn't the best way maybe the leadership could have reacted in this case or that case. And I wanted to help companies to empower their employees and to 
help their employees really bring their whole self to work because at the end of the day, it's also, it also helps with productivity and innovation and all of that. Um, in the meantime, something that has been happening in the last three years, I've been going to psychotherapy, really enjoying it. And I don't know how other people think about it, but I'm like, I really enjoy psychotherapy. <laughs> and so reading a lot about psychology and it's something that I'm exploring more and more and mental health is becoming more prominent in my work. Um, the last maybe about six months now. And as you saw in the 2020 diversity in the workplace report, uh, when I was interviewing NHS, Spotify, IBM, Blinkist, um, the topic of mental health is becoming more to the forefront. And I was like, that, that also resonates strongly with me. And it's really interesting to see an intersectional approach to mental health. So in a way, a lot of things that I care about are coming together. And I think it's also transforming into something new that's kind of in the making. What are you then seeing? So you've said that mental health is a big trend uh, from the reports that you've been running. What are some other themes that you're seeing come out from that report as well? So from the report, it feels like ages ago, although it was only published in, in February this year. Um, <laughs> How so much has changed the last few months? Loads, loads. I feel, I feel like I need to kind of bring it back to the context of where we are today in a way, because it feels, although it was only published in February, it already feels a bit outdated. So much has changed. For example, companies are looking at things as socioeconomically disadvantaged areas, people coming from such a background. People are looking at things like race and gender and so on. But I think, so for example, in the 2019 report, mental health was one of the last picked areas of interest or for activity among companies. It wow. wasn't very popular. That's out of maybe 12, 14 options. And this year, I think it was position seven. So it's, that's a significant jump in a year's time. And now with COVID-19, just currently working with a client and I was asking the employees, which areas of interest within DNI would you select? And Mental health was number one. So that was really interesting. Remote working, flexible working, you know, whichever way you want to refer to the way we work at the moment, that was number two. And so I think, you know, the way things were in February or up to February, mental health and remote working or flexible working or smart working, they were there. But it was almost like, oh, that's for a certain type of companies, you know, maybe tech companies, maybe small to medium sized companies. Now it's like, oh, you're public services. <laughs> you know, you do everything yeah. on, uh, <laughs> Every organization's thinking about this. Yeah, no, now you have to do it remotely. You have to do it digitally. I was talking to one of the big four here in Dublin and they were saying, you know, no one would have accepted a digital signature just a few months ago like audit or anything now everything is digital and it's really interesting because like you actually have to go to this person you know see like the vp of whatever have them sign this now it's no longer the case and i think it's it's quite amazing it's unfortunate to see that there is a much bigger disparity like you know 
richer are richer and poorer are poorer because of COVID-19. We can see it very clearly when we look at countries like, let's say, India and Nigeria compared to, let's say, Eastern Europe versus, um, let's say, Canada or Ireland or maybe Australia. That is very, very visible. What's interesting, though, is I'm not a parent myself, but I'm curious uh, to observe how parents have been coping, how they have become hopefully, you know, more teams. So there is more gender equality at home, looking after the, 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 the children, looking after the household and doing your full-time job, hopefully not being as much a primary caregiver as, you know, typically women would be and see where that takes us. I think in some countries, we wouldn't see much of a change in that regard. I'm always talking about multiple countries. For me, it's very important to look at things internationally. It, I find it really refreshing, and I think then we can really see um, bigger changes, and it's, it's inspiring and refreshing. Yeah, it's always nice to compare from the globalisation perspective about how different countries, even with COVID, how they've coped and some have locked down very quickly like New Zealand, others uh, have, have let the let it go a little bit. So that's really interesting that really in only three months there's been such a dramatic shift from an organisational cultural perspective from mental health being one of the lowest two years ago to now it being number one and flexibility uh, as well so important those shifts probably otherwise would have taken 10 plus years to to get where we are now <laughs> yeah. there was um there was like a meme on linkedin like which is the thing like who drove <laughs> i think that that's that was that was the phrase who drove digitalization in your company yeah. ceo CEO, <laughs> or you know covid19 covid <laughs> yeah yeah and and that that's really positive. Yeah, it's good. It's good. So, just on that, what are you seeing as some of the themes around um, mental health and also flexible work? Are you seeing them also intersect? But people working remotely are really struggling, working on their own. So it's sometimes the devil of be careful what you mm. wish for. But also, I know under social isolation, as much as sometimes mm. you just want a, a day on your own it does actually then have impacts on to your mental, I think also well as physical well-being as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I've been working um, remotely for about four years now. I've been a solo entrepreneur for about two years. It's not, it's not easy to work on your own. It's not easy to physically be on your own. I think even, even when you're in a co-working space, it could be extremely lonely. In the last few years, just working in that way it it i was facing a lot of anxiety loneliness and isolation so it was really interesting the moment everyone was being encouraged to work from home i knew people would be excited and there are many reasons to be excited but also i knew there is a lot of isolation and loneliness coming out of that and i was curious how people will be managing with that so there you know there are people who are with their families i think they're more they're dealing less with loneliness. They probably need more privacy. While like people who live abroad or live on their own or live with housemates, they probably feel quite uh, lonely and isolated. Feeling, you know, when you're away from your family, you don't know when you will be able to see them again. 
or you're worried about their physical or mental health, or you're just simply worried about your own uh, well-being, it can be extremely uh, anxious-provoking at the moment. A lot of uh, people are um, trying to manage fear, stress, anxiety, and that's really hard. And you kind of you, you figure it out for a little bit, but then things change, or you know you go back and it happens over and over again. You, you think you finally figured it out and it happens again. So go now is to try to normalize it for yourself to think about it as like, yeah, that's just, it's a normal thing. What's, what's happening to me, you know, whoever, whoever is going through that. Uh, it's something that helps with insomnia. So many people were not being able to sleep. Like anxiety is huge for many, many people. So you're talking about anxiety there. Have you got some tips and strategies to help people manage anxiety during these times? Probably the best advice would be to stay playful or to try to be playful. Uh, you know, the way they say laughter boosts your immune system. Yep. So that's true. But we can apply the same thing to managing stress and fear and anxiety you know, many of us are like, let's say on Instagram, looking at memes, that, that's fun. But also, I think finding ways to stay away from all of that and, you know, maybe organize a karaoke at home or, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is, something, something that's typically maybe silly, but it just, makes, it just makes us laugh right now. It just lets us go off the stress i think laugh is really really important um sometimes i do tiktoks i would be considered very old for the tiktok audience because <laughs> i'm in my early 30s but um i think just yeah trying things that we wouldn't typically do or even playing with lego whatever that can bring out our playfulness i see more people are drawing i think it's one of the reasons why more people cook and maybe that's why they're doing baking <laughs> because they can do, I don't know, different types of cookies. But I think it's a very safe time to experiment with our creativity and creativity and play are the main thing to help us with this. Uh, many people struggle with meditation right now. Some are more successful. Um, some people exercise. I think sleep and exercise are really important. But if you have limitations regarding to you know, going out, exercising outside, or you're, you're actually sleep deprived because you're a parent or maybe because you, you're dealing with insomnia, try with play. I think that's the best thing to relax your body and mind and just have a, a little bit of fun. So like play is on the one side and the other one is feeling connected. It's actually one of the biggest pre prerequisites to avoid like PTSD and the likes. Um, when we feel connected, it protects us really um, strongly, not just now, but more in the long term as well. That's really, uh, it's a good segue. So in terms of that connection, it's not only about connection you've got obviously with your family, but also working remotely with your colleagues. I know in myself, different relationships have changed because of working remotely. You may interpret something that someone has said or have an email has just been interpreted in a certain way. Through your experiences, what's that, what are some strategies and tips that people can use to 
overcome those probably issues of misinterpretation, but also then still feeling connected, um, not only with their colleagues, but probably also with the wider organisation, because also at the same time, organisational cultures through this are going to change naturally as well. Over-communicate, communicate, communicate, communicate. If you feel um, there is a colleague of yours or your boss or, you know, peer who... Um, you might be getting in a conflict with or there might be some miscommunication or you're not sure how to interpret their um, what they said or their actions. I think the best thing is to pick up the phone or ideally you know, turn on the camera <laughs> so you can see each other to get as much context as possible. Um, people deal with stress in really different ways. We all cope differently. Some people are avoidant, others become more anxious. Some people might not be even aware of what's going on. We can see that, you know, going on within themselves. We can see that, let's say, domestic violence and the like are increasing in times like this because it's really, really stressful. And I think let's say harassment in the office or any kind of, well, in the office, virtual office now, uh, but any kind of friction that we would experience typically in a team, those things get, uh, they become a bit stronger because everyone has a bit less patience. We are not in our um, regular environment. We cannot stick to our typical habits and all of that we are all out of our comfort zone all the time and that's really tiring for our nervous system so we do feel more sensitive you know some people will be even more likely to be more closed off others will be even more likely to get angry quicker yeah so with, with that in mind communication is important again we should be also careful not to communicate way too much because people can be they can start experiencing fatigue from that as well. Um, but it's a fine balance. I think for interpersonal relationships, as long as you're like, if you're the, the, the manager and your employees shouldn't feel like you're checking on them every single day, like, how are you? How have you done this? But if you have a weekly or biweekly check-in with them, which is more of a one-on-one to see how they're actually doing, how they're feeling, that is really important. That's an opportunity to connect. But then as a leader, you need to look at how are you taking care of yourself? Because being a good leader right now, being an inclusive leader, it's really hard to provide hope and compassion and trust uh, and stability to a team of, let's say, three or five people or even more when you feel the glass is half empty for you. So, you know, and you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah, you so can't pour from, from an empty, empty cup. Glass. Yep, you can see that, so, that saying worldwide. So you, you, need to, you need to look at yourself, see, are you having fun? Are you allowing yourself to be playful? And if those things are in place, if you can provide hope, stability, trust and compassion to yourself and your needs, then you can, you can you know, reach out and have conversations that provide the same for your teammates. And I think it's very similar in, in parenting. It's probably very hard right now to be a patient parent <laughs> if you feel your world is falling apart. Um, how are you going to give hope to your own child or to your partner? You know, so 
it's really important to start with ourselves to be able to help the ones that are important for us at work or at home. Yeah, I guess you can't help someone else until you've actually helped yourself really to begin with. And what about the change in organisational cultures? Where do you see this is then going to start to change? So these conversations that you are having with the companies, uh, you know, from your report back in February, where do you see that going even for like the 2021 report and how that conversation's then changing? Do you think that the conversation around mental health and also flexible work is going to be sustainable post-COVID? Absolutely. And we see... Um, some organizations are becoming not very compassionate it's like targets are targets you need to meet uh, the goals and that's it mm. so people tend to work too much and um, the thing about working remotely is like you are more likely to burn out because you don't see when everyone else comes <laughs> to the office when everyone leaves and so you don't get this sense of this is the start or the end of the day some people work from their um, bedrooms, others from their living room, etc. And there isn't also a physical boundary. And, you know, uh, many of us sometimes or more often work in their <laughs> pajamas and stuff. So how do you actually differentiate when you're at work and when you're not? And, you know, when I started working remotely, that was, that was a challenge. You have the freedom. Yes, you can be having a cup of... Uh, coffee or tea and start working from the get-go or you can do it later on as people continue to work remotely maybe not you know 100 percent of the, the employee population but still a much bigger bigger chunk that, than what we used to have in all industries you know people will be facing the same the same challenges i think many many employees will be also demanding to work remotely and there wouldn't be much of an excuse now because many companies had to put in place the infrastructure to remote, to allow for remote working. Once that's there, why should I bother to come to the office, maybe drive for an hour one way and then uh, one, one hour back. So that is, that is a tremendous change, but also what I was mentioning about the targets, some companies cut their targets in half and they said, you know, this will be a really challenging time for all of us. Everyone is getting a performance review saying, you know, you exceeded expectations because by default, we're, we're in a situation that exceeds our expectations. Yes. <laughs> so everyone is getting their full bonus. And I think being treated in this way is really, really positive. So, so some organizations are more empathetic they provide more stability, they give you hope, um, they provide trust. You know, we know you're doing your best, but your best right now is not the best that you could, you know, provide a few months ago. And that's fine. Maybe it's 50% of that. Um, there was a cool article on what professional used to mean before and what professional is now. I don't think we should be too harsh on ourselves. So there was an, uh, an article on uh, Zoom etiquette. And people were like, this is a shitty article. Why do you need Zoom etiquette? People were dealing with so much right now. And yeah, if maybe in the past having your pet or your kid or I don't know, your partner or housemate or whatever, jump into the frame of your video call was, that's not professional. Is that really happening during an interview or 
don't know, a client meeting or, you know, a team meeting. No, it's like, you know what? It actually doesn't matter. It doesn't mean I'm not professional. Well, I am hoping as we record, my partner doesn't <laughs> enter the room because it will affect the sound. But other than that, it doesn't mean, you know, any of us is not being professional. So I think it allows for, um, those changes allow for flexibility and some of this will um, stick for much longer and hopefully stay that way. I would love to see more parents bringing their children to the meetings, not because they have to, but because it's okay. Yeah. It's that acceptance. I guess it's, um, it takes me back to that BBC interview a couple of years ago. And I know that the, the uh, BBC report has come up since, but about how he's trying to conduct the interview and then move the kids out of the frame. But I think now that, that scenario is actually being normalised um, and then hopefully in the future uh, also then continues on. And because there's a lot of what people um, are talking about and I've recently been speaking with a number of people uh, about their balance and what they want um, as a working parent is that balance between life, like, you know, home life and also their career. Um, and I know at the moment there's also the, the scenario of work-life integration. You can't necessarily have one or the other. And by working remotely at the moment, it's really forced that integration. It's, you know, everyone is and it's sometimes people probably before would may have denied, yep, I've got kids and, and mm-hmm. I'm this uh, very senior male manager where they're now like, well, yeah, I've actually got kids and I've experienced <laughs> that recently on a call. They're like, yep, here's the kids. They can speak three languages. Here we go. Yeah, I think so, sometimes we're not aware people have kids because they never mentioned it. And um, maybe they were not the primary caregiver, so they didn't have to mention it. And it's great to have all of this normalized. Or you know what? They could be a primary caregiver of uh, someone elderly or so, someone else. And it's it's great to be able to see that. Yeah. And are you seeing some good examples of how companies were already prepared and had good policies and structures in place, particularly around, say, health uh, support and also with flexible work practices? Have those organisations then been better off during COVID? I think it's less about processes and policies and more about culture. Mm-hmm. Um, any organisation that like I'm, t- I'm talking about maybe uh, up to a few hundred people. If we're looking at a thousand plus, we probably have uh, some kind of policies related to, let's say, remote working. In a, in a smaller organization, you, you, you can rely more on trust. Of course, it's great to have some foundations. So the, over a certain number, maybe 50 or 100 people, it's, it's, it's harder to only rely on trust it's good to have some policies in mind not because you need to enforce something but for people to know what's expected from them a little bit more but typically it's if you have the infrastructure in place you have some of the habits it's part of the culture and you don't have to put things in writing like i don't i don't see anyone going you know you need to do this on slack and you need to do this on hangout (laughs) kind of (laughs) people just do it in regards to mental health, I think it will be great to see more companies having mental health first uh, aid programs, training their own um, aiders, being ready for that, not because we need to be expecting another pandemic, just because 
it's important. And as more of us get ex experience, uh, maybe feelings that we haven't experienced before at the moment, maybe we become also more uh, empathetic to people who are facing those things much more frequently. If we had to then start looking forward to the future for what some organisations are going to be doing in maybe five years' time in relation to mental health and, and flexible work practices to create a more diverse and inclusive workforce, the back of the reports that you've been doing, what's your vision for it? And what do you think are maybe three or five steps that people can put into place as organisations as well to reach those goals in the next three to five years? Big question. I think there, there are a lot of uh, needs that are certainly unmet right now and we'll need more technology for some of those things. Let's say isolation, loneliness, working remotely. It's great to be, you know, I don't know, working from Bali. You know, we don't have to be digital nomads to be working remotely. It could be just from home. But there are certain solutions that are not there yet. Uh, I could see us using more VR sets. I mean, they were one of the things that, w that were completely sold out with a long waiting list for months now. And that would be great to see. So even if we cannot be physically with people, we have a sense of being with those people and interacting, seeing more maybe body language, getting more context from the communication. Because um, at the moment, as much as we can see on video, it still, you know, tells us a little bit about the person. So that will be one thing that comes to mind. Hopefully more acceptance, more tolerance, more inclusivity for people who are parents, for people who have visible or invisible disabilities, um, for people from socioeconomically disadvantaged areas. I think it's really interesting to see at the moment how different we are and how similar we are and it's like in in some ways whoever you are right now you're facing the same things but your immediate environment impacts you like what if you're a gay person and you have to you know uh, move in back with your parents and they're not accepting that's a really hard environment tough, yeah. or what what if you know you're facing domestic violence and you cannot even go out for a walk um you know you're stuck with each other so i think you know lo the lockdown can feel similar um even when we experience it in with a different strength but we also see like our lives can be really, really different from each other. We can see maybe a bit more of our own privilege that, yeah, like, you know, maybe this is the first time you experience anxiety and some people have anxiety disorder. And it's, you know, it's not that they're not rational people. It's just like, it's, it's different. It's not something they, you know, oh, I'm just going to do this. So I'm, I'm hoping in five years, we'll be more compassionate, more empathetic. We'll give each other more hope, more stability, and maybe the VR sets, because that would be dope at the very least. <laughs> oh, but no, like I think if you talk about the future of work, they, everyone predicted uh, a little bit about where we we're going. We we're going to be working at home and there would also flexible work practices. So I think for the future of work, what people were talking about five years ago, we've definitely made those leaps. And I, 
I know people have also talked about VR headsets and the like, so maybe then that's the next five years or the next 12, three months as we then normalise working yeah. from home. I, I think there will be a shift from companies spending on offices and maybe maybe there is an allowance um, for you when you pay rent that you get a bit of a bigger home so that you get an extra room to be your office or something like that. Because, for example, when we were getting this place, it's a one-bedroom apartment. It's really comfortable for a couple. But if both of you are working full-time, both of you get on Zoom calls or whatever, th that's not big enough. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> we cannot fit into desks comfortably. So if we knew, you know, we could have probably gotten for a bigger place. I think companies also see that, you know, they don't have to provide catering. They don't have to have, you know, the tennis tables, table tennis tables, all of all of that stuff you can people can work comfortably from home but we also need to take better care of the employees and what their experience as employees is when they're at home yeah just like you said it's about then that connection and that and i guess that's that communication really yeah communication creativity play i think we we always go back to this inner in a professional relationship, in a personal relationship and in our own relationship with ourselves. Yeah, really going back to the core, the core of where we're at, really. Fantastic. And what are you doing to look after yourself in these times? For self-care. <laughs> I psycho. We've been having a two kilometer radius limitation on exercises. Ooh. So as soon as they introduced it, I was like, how am I going to psycho in this? Because I typically enjoy longer cycles. And it's actually not too bad. It, it brought me back to mathematics when I had to figure out <laughs> how, how big <laughs> actually the area that I can explore is. Um, now, I think this week or in a couple of weeks, they're increasing it to five kilometers. So I can explore a much bigger part of Dublin. But yeah, cycling and um, being close to nature, being close to Luckily, it's, it's very green. Dublin is quite green in general, but now, especially being spring, it becomes it's becoming really, really nice. So resting my eyes, I feel like whatever I do at home, it's on screen. I'm working either on the laptop or my phone or watching Netflix or reading on my Kindle. So the only time I'm not looking at a screen is probably if I'm cooking. And I don't do the cooking. I do the prep cooking. So <laughs> You're the sous chef. It's not. Yeah. So it's not, it's not for that long. And um, going for a cycle, regardless of what the weather is, is really refreshing. And the other day, it just started raining. And I was like, I, like, I feel alive. It's so nice to feel the rain on my skin. It's a proper experience outside and i think it's really really great to to feel the sun or feel the rain feel the wind we have lots of wind here <laughs> um, so that's that that's great that's good for the immune system and it's good to just get yourself moving seeing faces as well even when i go to around the butchers or bakery or whatever to take a moment to say hi properly and look the person in the eye <laughs> you know it's a bit cheesy with being like okay i might not see another human for a few days so <laughs> thank you for selling me some veggies today oh that's so sweet and so do you want to just quickly tell us about your diversity and inclusion report and then where people can then find out more about you 
Sure. You can find almost everything about me, Bessie.com. So that's B-E-S-S-Y.com. There you can, you can see the reports. You can see um, some of the video interviews I have been doing. The reports specifically, so the first edition is the 2019 Diversity in the Workplace report. It focused on 10 companies from 10 countries. So I interviewed uh, people from India, South Africa, all over Europe, the US and Mexico and so on. And so that's on vesicom slash diversity. And the 2020 Diversity in the Workplace report focused on 10 companies from 10 industries. Uh, because I, I could only see maybe from a couple of industries that we constantly hear about DNI on, and it was great to look into industries we don't hear so much about and learn about them and get a bit of inspiration from there. So that's on Bessie.com slash 2020. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on everything that you're doing in diversity and inclusion. You're doing definitely a lot to also raise the profile for a variety of different people that may not necessarily have that voice at the table. So congratulations on the work that you're doing and uh, best of luck in actually exploring Dublin beyond the two kilometre radius that you've currently got <laughs> at the moment. Thank you. Yeah, looking forward to the five kilometres. Thank you so much for having me, Karina. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Working Mama podcast. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify or your favourite podcast catch-up. I invite you also to join the Working Mama community on Facebook and join in the conversation with other like-minded working mums. Please also feel free to contact me on any of the Working Mama social channels. Remember, Mama is M-U-M-M-A or website www.workingmama.com.au. I would appreciate you to share this podcast with friends and colleagues, especially those that are parents managing the juggle. And I would really appreciate if you had to take the time out to leave a review of the podcast. Thank you and see you next time. Have a great week.